0: one of the things i talk about a lot no is a complete sentence setting boundaries is self-care like you cannot there's no way that you can do true self-care not the you know everybody's like hashtag self-care sundays if the right. only time you do self-care is once a week you're doing it wrong
1: wrong Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Dr. Tiffany M. Jenkins, lovingly called Dr. J, is a New Jersey-based licensed professional counselor with over 20 years of experience in the behavioral health field. Dr. J owns and operates Awakening Change LLC, where she helps her clients to develop and implement self-care strategies to reduce stress and avoid burnout. She's a sought-after public speaker and workshop facilitator, author, and experienced clinical supervisor. When not in the public spotlight, she enjoys spending time with her husband and two sons. Welcome back. So glad you could join us. And joining me today is Dr. Tiffany Jenkins. Hello, Dr. J. That's what they call you, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) it's so good to have you here how are you
0: thank you so much for having me I am phenomenal today
1: I love that answer that's awesome (laughs) we should should all be feeling phenomenal when we are you know six feet above ground and not
0: yes yes (laughs) we need to capitalize on more more of those moments yes
1: absolutely So we're going to talk about some really great things today. We're going to talk about self-care. We're going to talk about Black women. We're going to talk about, we're going to get into it. But before we do all of that, I want you to tell us what is it that you're passionate about? And I have a feeling it's tied into everything we're going to talk about. So go ahead.
0: It literally is. Um, I am very, very passionate about self-care, particularly self-care for Black women. And that passion is because one, I am a Black woman and I've I've had some struggles in managing my uh, professional life and, and having that, I don't call it work-life balance anymore, because I think that's a myth, but finding my rhythm in work and in life and in just, you know, being all the things that I have to be to myself and to those that I care about. And I started realizing in my practice that 90, 98% of my practice now is professional Black women. And The majority of them were coming with what clinically could be diagnosed as anxiety or depression, but they really didn't have the language to call it that and when we when we really got to the heart of it, it was that they weren't making time for themselves to take care of their needs first. Sometimes it was something as simple as getting enough sleep or eating balanced meals or drinking enough water, but on the other extreme of that there were also folks who couldn't tell me the last time that anything in their schedule was something that they actually enjoyed doing. Um, and when I first mentioned the idea of self-care, a lot of people were like, well, I don't have the money to go on a spa day or get a mani-pedi or whatever. And I'm like, but that's, that's grooming. That's not really (laughs) self-care. And so I found myself really having to break down wellness is a multidimensional concept. What are the dimensions of wellness, all of that. And so for the past, I'll say, year and a half, two years, I've really been on this mission of like debunking the myth of self-care and particularly getting Black women more on the self-care bandwagon because I think if we can take better care of ourselves, we'll see some of those numbers go down for things like heart disease, Um, stroke, diabetes, all of these other stress-related illnesses that we are disproportionately affected by, Mm -hmm. I think we can really start to get a handle on if we just start with carving out some regular time for ourselves. So that's, that's kind of my, that's my passion. That's, that's, that's me at this point.
1: (laughs) Yes, I am all about it. I love it. You, and you are so right. We have we have a lot of stressors on our, on us, even outside of the things that we do, right? Yes. Just s- socially, mm-hmm. we have a lot of stressors on us. So then when yes. we add the stressors of family and the stresses of work and the stressors of being a woman, yes, let alone a black woman, all those things can really create a powder keg of mm-hmm. sorts. And so- mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been a big advocate of self-care, especially after cancer. So Mm -hmm. uh, AC in my Mm -hmm. life, because I realized at that point in time, when I had to slow down and I had to give myself space, I needed to take naps, drink Mm -hmm. water, Mm -hmm. eat food, Mm -hmm. just, just take care
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: Ever since then, I'm a very big proponent of not, I have to, I have to, I have to, but do I want to?
0: Yes, yes, yes. And that's one of the things I talk about a lot. No is a complete sentence. Setting boundaries is self-care. Like you cannot, there's no way that you can do true self-care, not the, you know, everybody's like hashtag self-care Sundays. If the only time you do self-care is once a week, you're doing it wrong. Wrong. Sorry, hate to say that. You would not wait all week to eat. You would not wait all week to go to the bathroom. I would hope that you wouldn't wait all week to bathe. Like there are certain things that we know we need to do every day. And somehow self-care doesn't get in that mix. Self-care doesn't become one of them. And if we learn to say no, because, and I I told this to one of my clients and she was like, you need to write that on a t-shirt. (laughs) Um, I said, if you're, make sure that when you're saying yes to someone else, you're not really saying no to yourself.
1: Yes. Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Cedrola Maruska and I help entrepreneurs and small businesses go from mediocre to magnificent by transforming their cultures to be more equitable and inclusive. To find out how we can work together, go to diversitydish.com, where you'll find my consulting, coaching, and speaker information. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to working with you. Because somebody's going to get the
0: short end of this stick. Mm -hmm. Why is it always you? Yes. Yes. We gotta change that. So, no is a complete sentence. It's not a dirty word. It's probably one of the best words in the English language. Okay. Um, Just no. (laughs) No explanation needed. No. And like you said, it's not. Do I have to? It's do I want to? And if we start filling our lives with more of the things that make us feel complete and fulfilled and living on purpose, then we can, you know, navigate a little bit easier. We can make better choices, and we don't have to sacrifice ourselves in the process.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, no is a complete sentence. And I realize that as women, especially, we always feel like we have to qualify that no. No, because. Yeah, yeah. But men don't do that. Ever, ever. They just say no. Mm -hmm. And And leave you wondering. The world does not fall apart. (laughs) It's okay. Yes, yes we have to learn to do that and say no. And, and I've had to learn to do that in the last few, few years where if I'm writing an email, I'm saying, uh, I cannot do, and not saying I'm sorry. Okay. We're apologizing Apologizing. just for being who we are just because we have a life and things to do. Mm -hmm. It's saying, this is not going to work for me at this time. Mm-hmm. And not feeling like I have to put a whole explanation after it.
0: Nope.
1: Ooh, it's a it's a lesson. It's it's hard.
0: It is. And and that's why if self-care feels good, again, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> you're, you like you I think you're missing some things, right? Because growth as much as it's a beautiful process, it can be a very painful process. Yes. And setting these boundaries and learning to say no, because we have been socialized as women in general, but particularly as black women, to believe that other people's care, concern, safety is solely our responsibility. Say that again. It's not. We're not (laughs) responsible for everybody else. We cannot continue to set ourselves on fire Mm -mm. Just to keep other people warm, warm. Mm -mm. It's, it's not, it's not a sustainable strategy is the way that I like to say. it. And so particularly for black women, when we look back, we can see this pattern at one point, it was the only way to survive, right? Mm -hmm. That, that stuffing down of your emotions, that self silencing, that, you know, being the caretaker, all of those things were part of what got us through those slavery, the period after with reconstruction, Mm -hmm. um, there were some things that our forefathers and foremothers had to do Mm -hmm. to get us to this point. Mm -hmm. But now that we've got other resources, we can choose to do something differently. So I always tell folks, it's not necessarily that it came from an impure place. It came from a very pure place, Mm -hmm. but it's been corrupted over time so that now, we are taking on all of the family's problems, doing everything for all of the family and not doing anything for us. Mm-hmm. If we fall apart, if if your logic is correct, that you are the only one that can keep the family going, right? If right. you fall apart, then that means the family doesn't keep going. So right. self-care then is the gift that you give to them. You take care of yourself, you fill your cup so that then you have something to give to others. Mm-hmm. And I say all the time, Stop pouring from the cup. Everybody talks about, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. You're not meant to pour from the cup to begin with. That means you're taking from something you need. Live a life that is so full and so abundant and Mm -hmm. so prosperous and plentiful. You actually are in overflow when you pour from the saucer. That's where you give to everybody else. You don't go into what you need and take from yourself in order to give to somebody else. Make sure you are complete and you're whole and then you have something extra to give to the folks you care about. And I think particularly for Black women, that's where we struggle because it's like, I can't take this time because auntie needs this and pop-up needs this and mom needs this and dad needs this. OK, they all need that, but they also need you to not be snappy, not be short, not, you know, crash <laughs> potentially because you've had zero sleep, um, not pass out at work because you haven't eaten. Like they need all of you to be at your best. And the mm-hmm. only way you can do that is by pulling away, by setting boundaries, by saying no. Um, and they'll get used to it because we teach people how to treat us. So if you teach them that there's a new way. They'll adapt. They'll adjust. It might take a
1: little bit, but they'll,
0: they'll get it after a while. So,
1: well, just like you will have to adjust to creating those boundaries. They will adjust to working within those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that so much that you said you have to, you do from the overflow. You're so full that it's the overflow that That flows out to those that you love and those that you want to help, and so you're not depleting yourself because you're full. Oh, you're still full. Yes, I love that. That that is so perfect. But because that's when
0: we're our best selves. When we're full. When you've had enough sleep. When you've had enough to eat. When you're perfectly hydrated. When you've you know you had your quiet time. When everything is settled. That's when you're your best. Not when you're running on empty and, you know, trying to make it work. And like, you're not, you're, you're not, no, we're not going to do that. No, no. (laughs) Right. We're not going to do that. Not at all.
1: No, 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 absolutely not. Yes. I, I agree so wholeheartedly with that because I've, I've set boundaries now that I would have never thought to set before cancer. Mm -hmm. No, right now I, I, I do not, I very rarely, let's say very, very rarely to almost never respond to emails after 4.30, Mm -hmm. five if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. I have two days of the week that I have blocked off so that they are internal days where if I need time, that's my time. Mm -hmm. Three days, I'm on, Mm -hmm. on, on, on. I've got meetings, I've got this, I've got that. I'm doing all the work the other two days i do the work but if i'm like today i just don't have it Mm -hmm. i don't have it and i go and i binge watch something i'll go do something else but i give myself that space yep because i realize that if i'm not working if i'm if all my cylinders are not firing i'm miserable i make other people miserable yep and that's not the goal. The goal is to be good, be okay, so that other people come into your aura and they go, oh, I feel, why do I feel so good whenever good. you're around? Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. yes. It's like, well, there's just something about you. Yes. Uh, and it's funny. The funny thing is those same people who enjoy that about you will be the ones who make the biggest stink when you tell them no. <laughs> And it's like, do you realize this is why you like being around me? Because sometimes I say no. And you have to respect my no the same way you honor my yes, Mm -hmm. if this is going to work. And if not, you'll find yourself outside the bubble and I'll be in my bubble, (laughs) you know, just kind of sipping my coffee and living happily ever after.
1: Happy overflowing to those who are willing to live within the boundaries. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) It's it's
0: it's funny because some of the folks and I had this happen to me recently like within the last couple of weeks where someone was like you know you're you know you always do this stuff you've got this going on you've got that going on and when I told her I couldn't participate in a project that got rescheduled she tried to put my name in for some things anyway and I said no I agreed to do it on this day. You couldn't do it on this day. My schedule is now full. I can't do it this day. And then I ended up circling back and said, I, I could probably do it, but I'm not going to, because I'm not going to stress myself out and overwhelm myself. And there were like crickets. And then some steps were made and I had to, you know, say it a little louder. <laughs> and um, and that's when I said, you know, I need you to honor my no the same way you respect my yes. Like, mm-hmm. And it 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 got the point across. It was a little tense, and and sometimes with these boundaries, this whole you know living this balanced self care life, yeah, you might have to speak a little louder than yes. you want to. But the yes. point, get across,
1: it'll get across. Yes, I think that a lot of what's happened, especially to I uh, says black women, is through the years is that. We've taken on the trope that people have put on us of that strong black woman who doesn't need any help, who can do it all, who, who can carry basically the whole country on her back Everybody. and still mm-hmm. be okay. And we have to let that go. Mm-hmm. We have to relax that and say, no, 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 no. I hurt just like you. I get angry just like you. I get frustrated. I have anxiety. I have I have all the same things as you, because I am human, mm-hmm. and because I have all those same things, I need to take care of me, me. Mm-hmm. in that same thing to make yep. sure that I'm okay, and yep. not just that you're okay,
0: mm-hmm. right? And I think we have to, we as black women have to do a better job of creating black, creating safe spaces for other black women to unpack that, right? I know one of the reasons why my practice is 98% African-American professional females is because they felt comfortable coming and unpacking that with somebody who looked like them. And I'm really grateful that over the past two years or so, there has been more attention and more support being given to um, Black mental health. We've got therapy for Black girls. We've got therapy for Blackness. Yes. We've got Tribe. We've got clinicians of color. We've got all of these great directories that are focused on making sure that folks who look like me have access to a clinician who looks like me. Um yeah, that's amazing. And we've got to utilize those. We have the benefits. If you are a working person, I cannot say this enough. I, I'm, I'm still shocked in 2022, how many people don't realize what their health insurance covers. You have access to a therapist. <laughs> you, even if you don't have it, it, the best plan, we'll say. Your employer probably has something called an EAP, employee assistance program that you can access and your employer will pay for five, 10, 12 different programs have different numbers, but they will pay for sessions with a therapist that you don't have to come out of pocket for. Yeah. So you have that available to you. You have community mental health, you have, there are all of these great resources that are at our disposal that i think for so long we didn't know existed Mm -hmm. and we thought oh that's just for those folks do therapy we don't do therapy we go to church we go to masjid we go you know (laughs) we 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 just kind of tuck it over here and we pray about it in silence and then no, we need there. You can have Jesus and a therapist. You can have Allah and a therapist. Thank you. And a therapist. Like it, it's all part and parcel. And really, spirituality is one of those eight dimensions of self-care. Yes. So technically speaking, it's if you're going to do the spiritual component, that's great. You need that. But there are seven other dimensions that you need to be attending to Mm -hmm. um, and you need to be consistently attending to. So Mm -hmm. even if you have a spiritual practice, that's just not the one day a week that you go in for corporate prayer or corporate worship. It has to be an everyday thing. What are Mm -hmm. you doing on a day-to-day basis to help strengthen your connection with something bigger than yourself? But seeing that, that growth in, just making things more available and and seeing just how many services there are available to folks is an amazing thing. And I think we need to really take advantage of that because that provides us those safe spaces to unpack a lot of this stuff that we're carrying, a lot of the things that we won't utter because we feel like it's disrespectful to our family. We mm. feel like, you know, we're violating their trust or their faith in us by saying I'm tired and I don't feel like doing all of these doctor's appointments or mm. I don't feel and and so this therapy becomes a safe space where the person you're talking to can't tell anybody and if they do, you'd have you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> quite quite honestly, I mean my like my insurance policy it for liability is million dollars like if if i do something to violate someone's confidence Mm -hmm. you know you're you're getting paid you're gonna be a millionaire so Mm -hmm. there's no other safety and security than knowing that these things that we've been so reluctant to talk about you now have this safe space that is protected legally that if that isn't a motivator to like kind of get some help i I, i'm lost i don't (laughs) know i don't say you could be a millionaire if somebody tells (laughs) stuff you can't say that about your best friend as much as you love your best friend you would not be a millionaire if your best friend told someone else she knows about what you've told her you yeah you wouldn't you you want to hurt somebody actually so like this is like a built-in that's like the the counseling pitch right that's my counseling pitch um that go to counseling your secrets are safe with your therapist and if they're not you become a millionaire
1: yes <laughs> I I yes, yes. I wanted um and and this is my fault. I'm dragging my feet and I realize it is me just, the, just. to have a therapist that but a therapist, of course like you said, that looks like me because I wouldn't have to over explain yes what I'm everything feeling. <laughs> everything. Mm -hmm. Because I can just go in there and I can just say, oh, these people are just getting on my last nerve. Mm -hmm. And she could say, well, how so? Like, well, you know what happened? And you can go into the most, what would seem mundane situation. And she would go, I got you. I got it. I understand. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I wanted. I live out in the middle of nowhere and a predominantly white area. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I just can't seem to find anyone. Now i found someone. Uh, I did go to therapy for black girls. Now I just need to get the, the insurance connected to it. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in therapy. I do believe that we all need to be able to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, just to, just to talk, just to get yes. it out there, dump the brain, you know, I journal. So oh, yeah, in a way, I get it out. Yes, but it's always good to have that person person connection mm-hmm. connection to someone that you know you can trust and just say, "This is this is what's happening," and then they can give you some perspective or some yes. insight that you would never think of. And I that's
0: say, that's what a lot oh. of people say all the time. Yeah, that's I what say all, the
1: time, say all the time. I don't know what I don't know.
0: Yes. Yes, you don't. You don't.
1: Right? I think I'm okay. I'm going along. I think I'm all right. And I'll go sit down and I start telling the story. And then they'd be like, let's talk about that. that. And we're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What yes.
0: Let's talk about that. <laughs> like, why, why are we talking about that? It's, it just happened on a Tuesday. It's okay. Exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. Is this how every Tuesday goes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. We pattern because there's something about your Tuesday that's not quite as healthy as it could be yeah and and it's funny because I have clients who have I have some clients who have never tried therapy before so I'm their first experience um god bless them and then I have other uh clients who have tried therapy with white male therapists and white female therapists and their experience is largely the same having to like Tell the story before the story because yes. when you start the story, you see the eyebrow raised, and then it's like, No, 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 wait, let me explain. It's not that. Or, like, I had a, a client who said something like, um, She was talking about her son, and she was like, I might choke this little boy. And I just started laughing. I was like, Why would you, like, what do you do now? Right. Uh-huh. And we go in conversation because we have established a relationship where I know that's a euphemism. You are not going to put your hands on your child in that exactly. way. I know that because I've established this relationship with you. And then she stopped. We were, you know, we had gotten further in the conversation. She stopped. She said, you know what? I just realized I said, what? She said, we did not miss a beat in this conversation. You didn't like start the dcpmp questions <laughs> start like, and I was like, no, because I've one, I've seen you with your son. I've watched your interactions with him. I know how much stress it is on you to be a single parent. We've talked about your stresses and how you really do want what's best for him. I have no reason to believe that that was anything other than what I say to my 15 and 17 year old on a regular basis.
1: Okay, exactly. And that, that right there is what makes the difference. Yep. We don't have, because I always feel like if I go in to sit with a white therapist, female or male. I will have to code switch. I will have to speak in a way that they can understand that makes them and feel them comfortable. comfortable. And how is that helping me? <laughs> because I am still not. You're not going to say anything. Fully, right. I'm not fully there, not fully myself, because I know that they can understand. and They can't handle it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's really important, I think, I want more people to be therapists, more black women, Mm -hmm. more black men to be therapists because the community needs you. They do. And there's, there's a shortage of therapists, period.
0: Yes. Oh yes. In general. And then when you look at that number compared to how many, you know, I'll say black and brown therapists there are, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And so Um, I recently got asked to be on a panel to develop this like cultural humility toolkit for therapists because we're also doing some work trying to make sure that from the intake, this stuff is addressed because let's face it, there are not enough people who look like me. Yes. I understand it makes it better, but the real issue is y'all need to deal with us because we got to learn how to deal with you. You know what I mean? So it's like. I'm really working on equal sides of this to try and make sure that we have competent care in general. So yes. that one day, probably when I'm like dead, gone and worm food, um, finally, somebody can walk <laughs> into an office and not have to do that, not have to have their guard up or code switch or whatever, because, yeah it's not fair all that does is perpetuate the very behaviors that are keeping me stressed out and stuck and overwhelmed it yes. doesn't at all help me to release it so yes. it's yeah it's a huge problem um I can't tell you how many calls I get that <laughs> that ask me because I'm not actually taking new clients I have um, therapists in the practice who are who are like well wait the person you're sending me to they're they're black like you right Yes, they're <laughs> black like me. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure because no, it's okay. like, and it's a real concern. Like, yes, it is. And, I, <laughs> and can you believe I had an insurance company tell me that a client looking for a black female therapist as a black female, that was not medical necessity, that I didn't have to be, because um, I was out of her network and we were asking for a single case agreement. And they was like, well, there she can go to any therapist. I said, Oh so no! you can go to any therapist. No, 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 no. This doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. And it and it it was in that moment that I had to like take a couple deep breaths, Who and then explain to him, no, um, there are some very significant cultural issues. I said, and I'm assuming that you are white based on your response. Mm-hmm. Um. I said, you are part of the dominant culture. And so it is very easy for you to go anywhere and fit in anywhere. But yep. there are specific issues that are very difficult to unpack, specifically racialized, issues of racialized trauma mm-hmm. that, you know, and he was like, uh, ho- hold on, I'm gonna transfer you. He got <laughs> off the phone so quick. It was so funny. But yeah, this is, this is a real thing. And yes. I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish I had a magic wand and could like, just multiply the number of competent <sighs> Black therapists that there are so that everybody has their own person. Yes.
1: Um,
0: I got to, I got to get on that. I got to get on that magic. Um, <laughs> you got to
1: go find that one. I got to, I got to go find or that somewhere. one. Up.
0: <laughs> it's got to be here somewhere. Yeah. It's got to be here somewhere. I mean,
1: yes.
0: Black therapists and Black academics are just like needles yes. in very, very, very huge haystacks. Huge
1: haystacks. You know, when, while I was doing my, my search, I called one office and I asked for a specific therapist and I didn't know the therapist's race. So when person got on the phone, I said, can I just, and in my head, I'm like, oh, should I do it? Should I do it? Yes, like, I got to do it. I got to do it. So I said, are they black? And he was like, um, no, I was like, okay, we'll just have them call me back anyway. The lady called me back so quick. And she was like, I understand why you asked that question. She was Hispanic. Mm -hmm. I understand why you asked that question. She said, I am so sorry to tell you that you're. It's going to be really hard for you to find someone that is black. But I appreciate that you asked, and Mm -hmm. I will, you know. And she just went into just being really helpful. Mm -hmm. But I was so like the angst for me. Yes. Do I ask? Like you ask. And I'm going
0: to tell you why. And I I literally just had this conversation with a group that I was presenting to the end of last month. You. premium that pays that provider. They work for you. And so you would not go into whatever your favorite clothing store is. You would not go in and settle for something that was three sizes too small if you were paying for it. Right. You'd be like, no, I'm not. If they tell you, okay, I know you're a large, but we only have extra small. So here you go. You got to take this. You'd be like, no, I'm, my <laughs> money is paying for it. Why would I take that, knowing that that's not a fit for me?
1: Right. We
0: have to advocate the same way for ourselves when it comes to our healthcare professionals, right? And mm-hmm. and this is behavioral health and physical health. Mm-hmm. If you are a person of color and you understand that because of social determinants of health, you are more likely to connect with someone who looks like you from a medical perspective, then ask for that. Like yes. I said, it's it's a needle in a haystack, but you will never know it's how totally close you are to that needle mm-hmm. if you never ask for it. And yes. it is really our responsibility to advocate for ourselves. But again, that's all part of that historical trauma that mm-hmm. we aren't allowed to ask for what we want. We settle for whatever we're given. Yes. And, and we've got to. We've got to start doing our work to kind of break out of those ways of thinking um, and really start demanding from our healthcare providers, black, brown, green, polka dot, stripe, white, yeah. whatever. Yeah, we've got to start demanding what it is that we need. Stop settling for that 10 minute. I call it the 10 minute drive by conversation <laughs> with your people. When you know you've got 30 questions still spinning in your head. No, stop them and ask them. I need you to clarify this for me. What did you mean when you said that? What does this actually look like? Mm-hmm. What's the cost associated with that. You know, sitting and having those conversations so that you leave with the information that you need to be your best self is crucial, crucial to our overall wellness. And I think that we got to start doing more of that. So, yeah, asking the question. So let before you before you make this appointment. Um, is this a black person? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And where did they go to school? Like, Mm -hmm. what is their, like, and I encourage folks, especially folks who meet me for the first time, you have to interview me just like I'm interviewing you. Um, some mm-hmm. clinical presentations that are not really appropriate for the way that I like to do therapy and so I want to know that up front but I also need you to ask me questions and when people say no I don't have any questions okay we're gonna sit here for a couple of minutes I want you to think about it do you I'll tell you my education background I'll tell you this I'll tell you that what now you still don't handle questions okay so this is what we're gonna do you take some time to think about it before you schedule your next appointment mm-hmm. and if you don't have questions you because we gotta get out of this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, because you're sitting in front of me, and you're the expert, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Then, then you get to dictate to me what is best for me. That's that's not that's not accurate, and it's not it's not even really good care. But that's a whole other soapbox <laughs> for me to get on. But no, you have the right to
1: to demand the care that works for you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, again. <laughs> Just, we have that, right? And we have to hear it often. We have to hear that. Yes, Often we have to internalize that permission.
0: Yes. Because yes. for
1: so long, we've internalized not having permission mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. ask for what we want. Yep. Right. Even growing up. Sometimes it's just like, you just don't have the permission to ask. And so you're used to that. Mm -hmm. And whereas the difference is that little white kids are not socialized in that way. Not at all. They are not socialized to think that they do not have the right to ask for something. That they do not have the right to something.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so they just go around like everything belongs to me. Absolutely. And we go around like, is it okay? Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it
1: okay? And when we talk about that trauma that comes down, that's part of it. Yes, it is. Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay for me to feel like I need a therapist? Is Mm -hmm. it okay for me to feel like I need help in some way? Mm -hmm. Or should I just suck it up? It is the same, the trauma that comes down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and it and it comes down in the same way and so yes I am I'm yeah <laughs> okay yeah. we're done no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> now, it's my but it, yeah,
0: that it's that historical trauma shows up in so many different ways Dr. Joy DeGroy calls it post-traumatic slave syndrome Yeah, and there are so many so many roots that spring from that same tree that connect to that same tree mm-hmm. and there's a lot like you said that asking permission to be is really at the heart of all of it like am i like just the crown act for example that you have to have a law yes. that says that it's okay for me to wear my locks yes in a public place and it not be considered unprofessional right. um it, it's and Folks who don't have those issues don't see that as trauma. No, it's traumatizing because you're telling me I got to get something like my scalp fried and sizzled and all of that in order to be presentable for you. Like not going out in the rain because, you know, can't go out when it's humid. You can't Can't go swimming. Can't go swimming. Like all this other stuff just to make you feel comfortable. And this, this history of centering white comfort is traumatizing for people who are not part of that group and so having safe spaces where you can unpack that without one client told me that her a a white therapist she had before was like okay now not everything is connected to race I said and that would have been when I grabbed my bag (laughs) and under my arm I'll see you later
1: we're not we're not connecting here we're not right like
0: and but it is, especially a lot of what Black folks in the workplace have experienced since 2020, right? And I'm, I am I see a lot of people who had a lot of anxiety around returning to office spaces and putting themselves back in those hostile work environments. We don't want to call them that, but that's what they are. You know what I mean? When you could be at home, and, and I have some folks who were, you know, one of my very very dear folks who are really close to me one of my mentors recently had i can't even call it microaggression anymore because even on like a on a virtual screen on through a zoom meeting there were some comments made there were some faces given and she's got a whole doctorate like a whole doctorate <laughs> and they had a problem in addressing her by doctor well why like
1: yeah why
0: Why? why what what do you mean why do you know how much blood sweat and tears went into this and because that is my professional title um right and and like things like that that really at the heart of it are around centering white comfort because most of the people she was in a room with might have had maybe like a bachelor's degree and they were all white women Mm -hmm. so why do I have to show deference to this black woman with big hair she and she is the bomb.com um coming in telling me all these things like eventually it kind of came out that that was really the problem because Mm -hmm. she's she's like a dog on a bone she's not gonna let you get away with too much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but it's like this is why we need to have discussions of race when we're talking about why you hate your job this Mm -hmm. is why we need to talk about how race informed how you even decide to show up in professional spaces mm-hmm. this is what, like it's all connected like mm-hmm. we're not we can't stop talking about it because y'all won't stop making it the issue
1: <laughs> if you stop making it the issue I'm, I'm talking about it yes was that is so it. so funny that you said that because that is a, that is a podcast episode that I'm writing right now but yes People, have, Everybody wants to stop talking about race, which is, you know, we all know is a social construct. Yes, we understand race is a social construct and everybody wants to stop talking about race. But putting in that social construct created racism and racism is baked in and has everything. rooted into everything. So until you can uproot racism... We're going to keep talking about about race. We have to. Because everything within the racist system is informed by race. Yep. And so if we stop talking about race, we're going to ignore this racist system and we're all going to find our little spaces. And that is not acceptable Mm -hmm. because that is moving backwards. That is not growth. That is not getting to our highest and greatest ideas. So, yep. Yep. So yep. everything is about race. I tell people all the time, you pull one string, tell me one thing that someone has told you is a problem. I will show you how it how is it's about race and how it came down from this construct of race that yep. was implemented yep. and how it is, you know, implemented today. Yep. It's all connected.
0: It's all there. You can't, it's,
1: you're right. It's, you pull that string and the whole sweater comes apart. Yep, because it's all, all of it. So yeah, it's, you know, and and when people people say that, that just shows how far removed they are from the conversation, right? Which is why, absolutely, you want to walk out on that therapist and say, well, everything's Mm -hmm. not about race. Clearly,
0: we're not on the same page. Gotta go, (laughs) bye. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, I, and I even had people, when I wrote the book, they were
0: like, why does it say a black woman's guide? Like, why can't it be every woman's guide? And I said, I don't have every woman's experience. That's right. I'm a black woman in America. I know the issues and challenges that are uniquely connected to my identification as a black woman. I know the issues and challenges that are uniquely connected to my clients my mother my grandmother my mother-in-law like i know these things my sisters like i know what we go through because we sit down and talk about it mm-hmm. but we don't really talk about it. like they know if they talk to me about something i'll be like okay so did you get some sleep did you drink some water no you need to leave that alone <laughs> they already know. Right but it's like in most spaces you don't have that, you know. Right. And I am. I am very, very fortunate in that I have a circle that has. I have a ton of black academics in my circle. I I know four black women with PhDs outside of me, and it's 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 so bomb. Conversations are just so bomb, and I mean like PhDs in like geochemistry, yeah, bio- bioanthropology um one has a in social work so like we can we can vibe like we can do it all we can go hang out then we can you know dissect some things and we can talk research and all that other kind of stuff and I realize everybody doesn't have that space I also have a lot of really great therapist friends and we talk about you know challenges of 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 therapists and black folks just in general Mm -hmm. and so I have those spaces so these are conversations that are very native to me Mm -hmm. you know And so when people are like, well, it says Black women.
1: Yeah. And this is your book called Reclaiming My Time A Black Woman's Guide to Self Care. Yes, ma'am. And we're going to link that in the show notes. But I just wanted to make sure that we had the title in here so people know exactly what they're looking for. Thank you. Thank you. And Um, yes. And the thing is, like you said, a Black woman's experience is different. You know, it's like when that reporter this white reporter asked tony morrison when she's gonna put white people in her in her writing and she's poor baby like, poor baby you would not ask a white writer when they're gonna put black people in their writing so why would you ask me when am i gonna do that no i'm going to write from what i know from where mm. i where i have the best Vantage point Mm -hmm. to help you understand Mm -hmm. how this works for me. Me and you know what? Anything that says a black woman's guide, I think a white woman should read it because it would help open their eyes to things that they are not even close to being privy to.
0: See now, now you getting ready to go on a whole other tangent? (laughs) Because I what we do? (laughs) I think technically technically speaking you're right but just by virtue of the fact that it says a black woman's guy they would rap there are many i'm not gonna generalize yes there are many white women who would rather use that as a point of contention rather than a point of information
1: yes and i I think that's the problem that if you
0: would have the the forethought to say let me see what it is about this that could help me deepen my experience and truth be told anybody can pick up this book man woman white black whatever Mm -hmm. and really have some strategies to implement But the reasoning that I give for it is particular to black women because of our history of self silencing. Mm -hmm. If a white woman, white woman were to pick this up and read about the history of self silencing, I would hope that she would walk away with a deeper commitment to then asking more pointed questions to Mm -hmm. being a safe space for a black woman to share about her struggles and, and things like that. But that's rarely the way it happens. It's usually the well, where's the white woman's guide to self-care? Yes. Go write it. <laughs> Go write it over and over and over and over again. It's okay. But that's not what I'm doing here. You know? Yes. It, it's it's you can either you can choose to engage and be informed or you can choose to stand on the outside and be oppositional. Yes. The choice is yours. Like, yeah, I don't have to explicitly say that this is this or this is that. And the way that I I write using a lot of colloquialisms and mm-hmm. things like that, that are unique to our way of communicating. Mm-hmm. Like, do I know how to code switch? Absolutely. Like I mm-hmm. have a, uh, I know how to code switch. I can, you know, I can switch it on real, real quick if I need to. But that's not, that doesn't endear me to anyone. You know, right. Th- this is not helping. This is not that, you know, I need to be, and I often use the example cause I'm a church baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I often use the example that when Jesus was talking to the fishermen, he talked about fish. When Jesus was talking to the farmers, he talked about farming. Like you have to be relevant in order to get your message across yes. because could the farmers, understood some of what he was saying when he talked to the fishermen? Probably, but it wasn't going to be as native to them as using language that they were innately familiar with, right? Yes. And vice yes. versa. So m- the reason why it's a Black woman's guide is because I'm a Black woman and I talked, like I talked to other Black women and we got, we know what's going on. we we right. all over here. You might need to go and reference, um... <laughs> what is it? Urban dictionary.com a couple times, and <laughs> yeah. You know, you might have to stop and figure it out, but you know, welcome to our world. Cause this is what we have to do all the time. All and I the time. often tell people like, don't be ashamed of your ability to code switch. It really is proof of your emotional intelligence. It means mm-hmm. that you can read the room where you are and know how to communicate in whatever language is the language of that room. So you don't have to be ashamed of code switching. It's really a superpower, but that's a station. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's all the things.
1: Preach Dr. (laughs) J preach. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is so, so true. Read the room. Read the room. We have, and we, and as black Americans, and I happen to be, Black American, Haitian American.
2: Mm.
1: We have superpowers that are connected to the ability to read a room because we have to go into different rooms that offer different things all all the time. The way that I go into an all Haitian situation where there are elders present that do not speak English, that only speak Creole is not the way I'm going to go into the role into a room where there are all white people who all speak in the same language and all thinking kind of pretty much in the same vein of things. There's a total difference. And being able to navigate both spaces is a superpower.
0: It absolutely is.
1: When I was nine, 10 years old, we moved from all white Salt Lake City, Utah to all black New York City. I, I was born in New York, but we went back to New York city. When I got to New York city, it was culture shock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Just I was like, least. I don't understand what they're saying. Like, what is, what is going on? Right. But I'm so grateful that we did that because it affirmed me, I was at the point where I was questioning everything about myself because mm-hmm. I didn't look anything like my little white friends. Mm-hmm. And I was questioning everything about myself. I got to New York and as culturally shocking as it was, the, the language, the, the movements, the music, the everything,
0: everything,
1: it was beautiful because it affirmed everything mm-hmm. about me and mm-hmm. everything that I needed to tap into in order to not question why I was who I was, I was. And the way mm-hmm. I did. So it, there's, there's a definite, definite superpower, mm-hmm. definite superpower. I mean, we're, we're socialized in this society that is, you know, this race, racist system that says that the whiter you are the righter you are yes and the darker you are the wronger you are
2: yes. We're all
1: socialized into this system mm-hmm. and so being in this system means that we have to actively work to know that it is a made-up system yes meant to keep us down it it's,
0: it was designed that way right
1: yes. and that's why when people say
0: the system is broken i'm like no it's not it's functioning it's working exactly, exactly as how it was intended it's- yes it's not it's not broken no no it's not stop drinking the kool-aid it is not broken it is functioning exactly the way it was programmed to and we have to reprogram ourselves it's almost like a friend of mine calls it like living in the matrix you have to kind of like reprogram yourself so that you know how to navigate these spaces without bringing harm to yourself yes
1: yes Yes. So that's why when people ask these questions about, well, why isn't why is it a black woman's guide or why isn't Mm -hmm. there a white history month? Or when people start asking these these these. Dumb questions, go ahead, say it. Asinine questions. (laughs) You go, we're all living in this system that constantly giving us this information. You think there's something I don't know about you because you don't know a lot about me, but it's not true. I know more about you than I care. Mm -hmm. And you don't know anything about me because it's not put in front of you and you're not willing to seek it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So don't ask me why it says a black woman's guide. Read it and find out. And
0: find out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yep read
1: it. And it's I think
0: it was James Baldwin that he he said that so eloquently that everything is is white. Like mm-hmm. by default. And so don't ask me why I'm doing this for me cuz I need to see me. I've I've learned enough about you. I've seen enough about you. I I have yes. to if I'm going to make it, if I'm going to make a living, if I'm going to be successful, I have to. You don't have to know nothing about me and that that's a little bit of a problem. Yes you know so yeah yeah it's that's yeah. a that's a I think that's that's why and it it, it seemed this that that kind of conversation seems to surface every February <laughs> it does, doesn't it? like without fail like it just that's the time for this conversation to come up
1: okay. well why does it have to be what yeah because
0: and it's the shortest we- month of the year Like <laughs> you're doing anything you could have 30 days no no you said you know what what's the least we could do in typical white supremacist fashion what is the least we can do to shut y'all up you know what February it's yours take February, it
1: February, right it's so
0: funny it's amazing
1: oh right yes so it's it's just you know I you know when I hear these things these are the things that you don't argue with about you're yep. just gonna go okay I got you <laughs>
0: This is, that's one of those two plus two equals five conversations. Yep. Cause you carried the one. Got you. All right. Thanks. And you're just going about your business. Like it's not worth it.
1: Because, because we are creating boundaries yes. and protecting our space yes. and our psyche and ourselves. And yes. we are taking care of ourselves. So therefore, there are some conversations that you would be hard pressed to engage me in, even yes. as a D and an EID professional, mm-hmm. equity, inclusion, diversity. Because when you ask a certain question, I go, that Whoa. says everything. We got to go back to the basics. And I don't know, not today. Keep it moving. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's just, it's just, it's so, so important what you do. I appreciate you so much. And (laughs) I don't know if we, if we put it out there, but you are Dr. J because you are a therapist. I want to make sure that people understood that because we, we <laughs> talked around it a lot, but I want them to understand that. And of course, it's going to be in the show notes, but it's so important. And if anybody is out there who's thinking about becoming a therapist who is of color, please do. And uh, you know, my audience, I believe, is made up of a lot of small businesses, and I want them to understand the anxiety that people have going back into workplaces that are not
0: they're not safe them
1: that just don't that don't accommodate them and I say all the time I'm like when workplaces were devised in you know whatever time they were devised for white men yes they were not even white women were in the workplace. yes right yes white women went into the workplace they might have given you a bathroom but that was about all the accommodations they gave you then you had people of color, black people coming into the workforce, and they still did not adjust for us. Mm-mm. They gave us a bathroom and they said, You need to conform, which is why, when anyone says, Well, that's not professional, or you don't look professional, I'm like, Who is the judge? Who is the professional? professional? Yep. Who's judging professional? Because if that we tells see you the everything path, you need to know. <laughs> yeah, think about it. If you think about who's judging professional, then you're assimilating. You're needing to assimilate to that person's idea of professional.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And somebody could walk up on uh, walk up on you and look not professional and drop real knowledge. and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well, he's an anomaly. No, no, no. no. People who do not look like you expect them to look do amazing things all the time. All the time. Open your mind. Yes. So that's it.
0: We're the sleepers.
1: Dr. (laughs) J, I think that we have gone to church and back. (laughs) Today. (laughs) That's a good thing. Yes. I so appreciate you, but you know, before we shut this down, I have to ask you my final question. Okay. And that is, what is your favorite dish? <sighs> <laughs> no, you've been thinking about
0: it the whole time. I told time. you. I've been thinking about this question because I just like food. <laughs> but I think right now I would say my favorite dish is a grass-fed New York strip. Medium well, baked sweet potato, and garlic asparagus.
1: Oh, we need to do that together.
0: That's 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 my thing. That
1: sounds so good. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) what that's what I'm going for. I'm like, okay, favorite meal, favorite meal. What's giving me all the feels? Yeah, I'm definitely a a steak girl. I could I could not be a vegetarian because of bacon and steak. Like I just I couldn't give those up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) i love 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 it thank you so so much for being here i'm gonna link all your links in in the show notes but i so appreciate you taking the time to have this very enlightening conversation with me today thank you so much for having me i appreciate it hey did you enjoy that episode If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.